Welcome to the No Greater Joy podcast, episode 19, uh, for, brought to you by the pastors here at Grace Baptist Church, because we want for our people what Jesus wants for his people, to no greater joy by stepping into the areas that bring no greater joy for God's people, what we call being a 24-7 worshiper, a go person, and an alongsider. I am Pastor Steve, lead pastor here at Grace, and my fearless sidekick, Ryan Adkins. And a huge thank you. Dan Craniac, member here at Grace, producer, making us sound awesome. So we're talking in this episode, well, we have been really since uh, the first part of this year, kind of carrying on our theme being bound together. And so our emphasis in these last episodes is really just exploring this idea of being an alongsider, equipping our people in that way. And um, what it means to be an alongsider just means it's followers of Jesus who are intentionally building relationships with another believer for the express purpose and interest in each other's spiritual growth. So So today, we're going to hop into a a subject of progressive sanctification. Wait, say that again? Progressive sanctification. Can you spell that for me? P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S-I-V-E. Without looking at your notes? S-A-N-C-T-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. Man, we should ordain this guy. Progressive sanctification. Ding! I hear the bell on the uh, (laughs) national spelling bee just now. It's Uh, not a phrase that we use in probably normal conversations. No, but it's something that is really happening continuously. It's ongoing. uh, And I think it really plays into this alongsiding topic and what it means to be an alongsider because an aspect of our progressive sanctification comes from our fellowshipping with other believers. And so um, really important. We're going to kind of address... A handful of questions and so first what it is uh, second what the end or aim of progressive sanctification is what its foundation is what its motivation is and uh, what are the means by which it occurs and then last like what are any hindrances or uh, anything that's kind of slow up this progressive sanctification so first what is it Steve what do you think um, what is sanctification? Well, at the root of this idea of sanctification, and as you're reading in your Bibles, primarily in the Old Testament, um, you're going to see the word sanctify, sanctified, and it's all revolving around this idea of what we're talking about, of this theological idea of being of sanctification. But really, there's just a simple concept in thinking about what is what does it mean? What does sanctification mean? What does sanctified mean? What does sanctify something mean? And it's just the idea of holiness. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, we see saints, um, and really the idea of holiness, back up a little bit. When we think about God's holiness, yes, there is an aspect and dynamic of being sinless mm-hmm. and pure, but holiness above and beyond and under that idea is this idea of just being wholly set apart yes. and different. And so we see things in the Old Testament being sanctified or being called holy, whether they were clothing that the priest would wear, whether it was the ground that Moses was standing on, mm-hmm. he had to take his shoes off, his sandals off. 
And so these were these things are holy. They're, they're in essence, we could say that the garments for the priest, that the ground that Moses was standing on, was sanctified. All right, holy set apart. And so at the heart of this idea for people is just as clothing is set apart for God's ownership and use, or the ground where God's presence is is now set aside and apart for his ownership and use, his people are set aside for his ownership and for his use. Mm -hmm. And so there's so this idea of sanctification really is this idea of this holiness, and that's why believers in the New Testament are called saints, mm. because they've been sanctified. They've been set, for, set apart for God's ownership and for uh, his use. And so the author of Hebrews uses this idea in two different ways of being sanctified. Um, chapter 10, verse 10, and by that will, that's God's will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So there's this sense of this being set aside as holy for God's ownership and use is there's a sense that it's done. Mm -hmm. It's completed, and we know this or talk about this as being a positional sanctification. Mm -hmm. um, but in the same flow of thought, the author writes verse 14, where he, again, referring to Jesus' sacrifice, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So you have in the same big idea thought, God's people being positionally set aside for his ownership and use, but they are in this progress, this process of living that out or that becoming reality every single day of their lives. Mm -hmm. They are being sanctified. They are being made holy. And so if I were to, that's a long roundabout way of coming down to my big idea definition is, is that really this is God's grand agenda for every believer. This is like the big picture context of everybody's life, every believer's life. And so really this topic is really of vital importance. You want to know what God's doing in your life? He's sanctifying you. Yeah. And he's using your marriage. He's using your children. He's using your friends. He's using the tragedies that happen in your life. He's using the high moments in your life. He's using your vacation. He's using your work. He's using your church. He's using go on down the line of things in your life. He's orchestrating all of that for your sanctification. That is God's grand agenda for your life. Yeah. But you have a little more... Yeah, so I, I just worked I through this as I was working on my doctrinal statement. And um, so I this is straight out of um, you know page 43 or whatnot. So I have that progressive sanctification is the continuous ongoing process by which believers are increasingly conformed degree by degree into the image of Christ throughout their Christian lives. And so I just think that idea really just kind of walking through it, that's continuous and ongoing. It's like you just mentioned out of Hebrews, there's that positional initial sanctification that happens on, at salvation, but then it's not one and done. It's this continuous process in our lives. And that what we're working to is this being conformed 
and it's little by little. It's not all at once, uh, but being conformed into the image of Christ throughout our lives. And so Romans 8, 28 through 30 is what came to my mind. Um, you know, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified and those whom he justified, he also glorified. And that last also glorified, I think there's this aspect of sanctification that's an ultimate aspect to sanctification where in reality, there's this future completion of this process when the believer is fully conformed to the image of Jesus Christ upon death or upon rapture, right? It's just that ultimate uh, end in our lives. I think this idea that you just mentioned even kind of leads into this aim of progressive is this idea of being transformed. Paul uses that idea twice. And Mm -hmm. so this progressive transformation or really progressive sanctification is a progressive transformation that's happening. He uses it, Romans 12, 1 and 2, like don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, this idea of being transformed from the same image from one degree to another, that degree that you mentioned in your definition. And so you have this transformation. And I think it's probably really important that we're talking about this because what's God's will for your life? We always kind of wrestle with this, and I don't want to run too far off of our, uh, our direction here, is it always comes down to this. It's God transforming you. Yeah. It's God making you holy. And so what's the aim of our progressive transformation? How would you answer that? I think it's just that the end goal, the aim of this all, is that we're continuously, as I said before, being conformed to the image of Christ. And that's both inner and outer. Um, And it's, again, I don't want anyone to get discouraged because it's not something that's going to be fulfilled and completed in this life. Um, It's That's going to come with our ultimate sanctification, which we just talked about. Um, But I think it's, as I was thinking through it, kind of like the tangible, it's just going to bed every night knowing that you're a little more like Christ than you were that morning when you woke up. Um, And there was actually a John Newton quote I came across that I thought, kind of a fun play on words in a way, Um, but I just liked how he said, he says, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be. But still, I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. And it's just that idea that even though we may not get there in this life. Yep. We're still, again, degree by degree, being moved in that direction by God's working in our life. Read that quote again. Because I, I think our people, and slowly do that. If our people, if we can just grab onto that, I, I love that quote. Sure. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be. But still, I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Yep. I love that. I th- when I think about the aim, um, because I'm, I'm with you in, in the sense that, you know, I'm I'm not where I need to be. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I think sometimes we can kind of, we settle for, well, I'm not where I need to be and have a sense that I'm okay with that. Because in a, in, a, in a real sense, though, we shouldn't be okay with that. Right. Because the the end aim of progressive sanctification is complete holiness yes and the i mean the multifaceted nature of what we're talking about is going to 
leave things unsaid and there's going to be questions. We can't clarify everything that we're talking about. But when it comes to this grand agenda that God has for our lives, like he hasn't lowered the bar in his expectation for us. And that expectation is complete holiness. Correct. You know, and so taking that idea of holiness in terms of being set aside for God's ownership and use, it's every area of my life. Mm -hmm. Holiness of my will, holiness in my affections and my passions and my emotions, holiness in my intellect and what I use my mind for. You know, Peter, be holy because God is holy. All right. I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 7 1 is that he is bringing holiness to completion in us. All right. And so uh, we'll talk more about this kind of motivation for us and the foundation for us in all of this. But because when we talk about holiness, we're just like, oh, it can, you're right. It can't happen in this lifetime. But that's not our motivation that it can't happen. So I don't give effort to it. Right. Right. It's not settling in it. And it's also in the same degree going too far. I think the other way where, you don't condemn yourself out of this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, well, I failed again. It's, all right, how is a failure going to lead me to be more like Christ tomorrow? Yep, and I think you we'll know? get to that yes. in terms of like, what is our motivation yes. and moving forward? Yep. Um, but, and I think getting that excited. holiness, yeah, you're getting excited, you love this. You know, I think the holiness is important and Christ-likeness is the aim mm-hmm. because Christ is the epitome of holiness in yes. human form. Yeah, he is the example. You know, and so uh, because he's that model of, of human holiness. So as we think about the foundation, you know, wh- what's lying underneath and what is this progressive sanctification like built upon? Mm-hmm. What would you say? So the first thought that came to mind was our union with Christ. Uh, good answer. That's what I had. Cool. I thought that was, that's where it, because that's, that positional sanctification, mm-hmm. that's where it starts. It was once we are knit with Christ, once we are un- in union with him, um, and, and the passage that really came to my mind was Romans 6, like the first 10 or 11 mm-hmm. verses where it's, you know, Paul saying that we were buried with him by baptism to death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the, that newness of life. Um, that we're set free from sin, that we'll, we also will live with him. You know, just those kind of action, this newness of life, then that we're set free from that sinfulness. We are, you know, and then we are alive with him. Yeah, that's why Paul can write into the Galatians in 2.20 that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Correct. Um, it's the visual that, you know, this idea of being you, being one with Christ, our union with Christ, there's a... There's an aspect of that that's hard for our minds to wrap around, mm-hmm. wrap around. Um, but I think it's visualized when Jesus talks to his disciples and that I am statement of I'm the vine and you are the branches. Yes. And so, and he says, and all throughout that, repeated over and over is abide in me, mm-hmm. abide in me, abide in me. Your life, you as the branch have life because you are united with the vine, Jesus Christ. And so that... And, and this is kind of working toward this struggle that we have because, I mean, we're all, if we're just completely honest with each other, you know, we, we like to live in Romans 7. That is just like, oh, I'm just horrible. I'm not doing the things I want to do and I'm, 
and I'm doing the things that I don't want to do. You know what? It just seems like this progressive sanctification is this upward struggle, and it's hard, and I'm not reaching it. I'm not attaining it. And it become and become we become very defeated. Mm-hmm. But I think we become defeated when we step and think about this progressive sanctification and step off of that foundation. Yes. Yeah. Because everything is building on something that is completed. And that's why God can call the saints in Corinth saints. You're holy. You're positionally holy with me. You're not condemned. Mm-hmm. And so when we step off of that, then we're defeated and it's useless to move forward. And so I think it's important. And another thing that I I wrote down here is this foundation is, yes, our union with Christ, but it's also the character of God. And the reason I say that is, in my mind, immediately just jumps to what Paul and the confidence that Paul had with the Philippians where he, he is confident and sure that, listen, the work that God started, mm-hmm. he will bring it to completion. Yep. And so this foundation for our progressive holiness and Christ-likeness is the completed, finished work of Jesus that I am attached to and also the character of God, that what he started, he finishes. Yep. And I was also thinking through like kind of the role of the Holy Spirit in all of this, you know, that, you know, you have Jesus multiple times saying, I need to go so that I can send the Spirit to you, Mm -hmm. to his disciples, and that we have this indwelling permanent presence of the Spirit within us. You know, we have God within us if we are in Christ. And just that that role in our lives um, is what really allows for this change to happen. It's not conformity from outside pressure. It's something that's really changing and, and sticking from within. Yep. All right, so let's move on to the next question, which is what is the motivation for progressive sanctification? And so for me, it was that it's really that desire to be like Christ um, that we see him as this perfect example, living a, a sinless life, you know, the life that we know we can't live. Um, and just knowing that we have this promise that God is is working things in our lives in order that we would be conformed and transformed uh, into Christ's likeness. Um, that was the, the main motivation that I, I thought of when it came to progressive sanctification. And then another quote, um, and I've pulled out a few here today, but the one from Ligon Duncan, um, he said that the good news of progressive sanctification reminds us of the astonishing truth that God was working on our sanctification from eternity past, long before creation, before we existed. And that's why Paul says we were created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And he continues to put it provocatively, Trillions of years ago, God was already preparing your progress in sanctification in the Christian life. Now that's good news. Yeah. And just knowing that that is kind of, it go, that kind of points back to the foundation too, that that was set in motion before Steve existed, before Ryan existed, before Dan existed, before you existed, that God was already working things in order to bring you in this progress. I think that's, that's beautiful. I, you know, it, 
as as believers, it's very easy for us just to bemoan mm-hmm. our lot, our world, and and we look around and it's just like you know why is this happening? I don't get. I, I, but and and I think it just comes back to it's so important for us to be talking about because the fact that we're bemoaning what's happening in our lives in a lot of ways we're bemoaning God's sovereignty. Yeah. And our focus has been taken off of this grand agenda. Mhm. Um you know that that is that's motivating. Yeah. When we think about just the sovereignty of God and what he is working about in our lives. I had written down in terms of thinking about the motivation, what is it that drives the believer to continue in this direction? Uh, it's I just wrote uh, to me. It's it's got to be the gospel, yeah. You know, and I, and I just I go back to these letters that Paul is writing, and there is a common pattern in these letters. Ephesians illustrates it probably uh, the clearest where he just spends three chapters with doctrine, and all that doctrine's on the gospel, mm-hmm. and then three chapters on progressive sanctification, becoming whole. This is what it looks like in your life. You know, the putting off and the putting on, he talks about, well, the putting off and the putting on is motivated in the Christian's life by you are dead and you've been made alive mm-hmm. by grace through faith. Chapter 2. Um and but he does similar things in Colossians and the Philippians and you know in these letters and so what is our motivation to continue to press forward in this grand agenda that God has for our lives is is the gospel. Mm-hmm. I think it's also I written down here a love for Jesus. I w- this kind of comes out of some of my own scripture reading this week and at the end of First Corinthians. Paul writes, chapter 16, verse 22, like, he's like, if anyone doesn't love Jesus, cast him away. Right. And that just, I just caught my attention. I just sat there as I'm reading and I'm thinking, how many of us at Grace think of Jesus as a real person? You know, we have real people in our lives all the time. We see them, we touch them, we hear them. Sometimes we smell them. You know, we interact. But Jesus is a concept. He's not a person. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Paul is like, listen, if someone doesn't love Jesus. The person of Jesus. That's right. They're not a part of you. And um, I don't want to go too far down that tangent. My mind's just kind of reflecting on that, but... When you think about what is it that just keeps pushing the believer forward in this progress of holiness and becoming like Jesus, it's the finished work of Jesus and the gospel is expressed in the gospel and the good news, and it's our love for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, we've hinted at some of the means. Mm-hmm. So we have this foundation, we have this motivation, we have this understanding, okay, this is what God is doing what he's doing is built on the foundation of the finished work of Jesus Christ and his own character, and it's now how. <laughs> this is yeah. like the, we could 
and we have, we've talked about spiritual discipline. We, you know, we could spend tons of time talking about, all right, what are the means? How does this happen? How would you answer that? So I, it's those, like you said, the spiritual disciplines and just kind of a flyover, you know, reading and meditating on God's word and immediately Psalm 19 and second Timothy three come to mind and Psalm 19 where he says the law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul, uh, that it's the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise, the simple, uh, and then in second Timothy three in verses 16 and 17, which most of us probably know that all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Complete. Complete, yes. That reaching the full fullness of what God has for them. Yep. And then I also had praying, you know, that we're not to, you were to, uh, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to God, that we can have this conversation, as Paul's writing there in Philippians 4, it, God is not off somewhere where we can't approach him. Like he is near, he is approachable and that he wants to know what our burdens are, our requests are. Um, I mentioned it in our, kind of in our open, the fellowshipping with other believers, that component of it, um, you know, in Hebrews, multiple places in Hebrews. Yeah, but, and that fellowship, we've talked about this correct. in a past episode, is not just, hey, I'm here on a Sunday. Correct. Yep. There's that, this bound together theme. Yep. Um, and really, you know, like in Hebrews 3, uh, where the author writes, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, our worshiping together, uh, our witnessing, and really the keeping of the commandments. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought attention to the spiritual disciplines, and we spent a lot of time on those in those early episodes yeah, of our podcast. You can go back and listen if you haven't. That's right. Haven't had a chance. Shameless plug. Um, I think behind and underneath all of those spiritual disciplines is yes, our effort, but it's the Holy Spirit. Yes, I think, and you would, and I appreciate you bringing you brought up brought the Holy Spirit into this equation, into this idea earlier, a couple questions ago. Um, but any hope that I have for Christ-likeness, for holiness, is the Holy Spirit in yeah, my life. It's not me. Nope. And it's, you know, we talked about, you know, we live in Romans 7, but Paul writes Romans 7 so that we can live in chapter 8. Right. You know, right. that our hope for this struggle is the Holy Spirit in us. You know, I think Paul illustrates, emphasizes this in Galatians 5 in the Fruit of the Spirit passage, where he says, okay, if you don't want to gratify the desires of your flesh, then walk in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is your hope. And and, and I also have written down here the Word of God. And so, uh, and you, I think you touched on that sufficiently. Mm -hmm. Um, But I... We tend to underemphasize, I think, the role that the Holy Spirit has, and not just the role, but the purpose. This is why the Holy Spirit is given to us. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the Holy Spirit isn't given to us to illustrate anything about us, but to bring to completion in us what can't be done by us, mm-hmm. as illustrated 
in every Old Testament saint. Yep. You know, to give us a new heart, a new mind, to transform us. And any hope that I have as a believer as to getting where God wants me to go is in me yielding to the Holy Spirit and walking in the Holy Spirit. Um, And it really brings us to this last question of, well, what are the hindrances to progressive sanctification? So I have just a couple, I think, things to highlight. And I think some of them are kind of like the Sunday school answer, but I think sin. But every pastor likes a good Sunday school answer. Right, absolutely. So I'm throwing these out here. Sin, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's sin that you haven't acknowledged or you've you've justified in your own mind or sin that you ha- just you've acknowledged it but you haven't repented of it and i think there's this clash between space if you will of sin within you and the holy spirit within you that one needs to go and i'm going to suggest that it's the former not the latter you know it's that sin that needs to go one needs to be killed exactly one needs to be quenched yes and and it's not the holy spirit yeah um i think a lack of forgiveness was one of the things in in the biblical counseling training uh, that i'd gone through he talked about that as being kind of a hindrance to this idea of progressive sanctification where if you're slow to give forgiveness and also slow to ask others for it that that can really hinder uh, your growth and then the last, uh, the third thing I had was just misunderstanding this process, um, that it's not an instantaneous perfection that we receive, but it's this process of up and ups and downs, faults, failures. Um, but it's those, it's that up and down cycle that it's not a straight line to Christ-likeness, but it's a, an upward trajectory, even though it's a, there's a wave to it that we're still overall moving in that upward direction towards Christ. No, I think that's a brilliant point that you make, that the great, uh, this hindrance to progressive sanctification is not thinking about progressive sanctification. Right. You know, it's, it's a heart and a mind that is distracted from this grand agenda that God has for you. Like, if, if, if our attention in our lives is not... What is, how is God making me holy today? <laughs> right. If I'm distracted from that, then I'm hindering, I'm quenching. Right. You know, um, I'm not about what God is about today. I, I think that's, I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. And I also, thinking about these hindrances, had the same thing. I'm a little more maybe um, conceptual than the specific that you got but is is just my own flesh and my own sin and anything that appeals to it. Right. You know, I appreciate what Paul writes in Romans 13, 14, where he just says to put on Christ, and he says to make no provision for the flesh. Yep. So we live in a world that wants to feed our flesh, to just gratify these desires of what John writes, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. You know, we just live in a world... Like, our world is a feeding ground for our sin. And a hindrance to our spiritual growth and this progressive sanctification is me just saying, have at it. Putting myself in position 
to just for my flesh just to feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether that's allowing a temptation in my life, now there's temptations that we can't control. A lot of times, though, I put myself in a position to be tempted. Um, and it's just, it's a neglectful attitude, a mm-hmm. laziness, um, quenching the Holy Spirit, grieving the Holy Spirit. Um, anything else? Hindrances that you have? Any I, ideas? I just have one more quote I wanted to share. And share I, it, man. I, I don't know we'll if this is original up. to him, we'll but James, James Ford Jr., um, I'm drawing a blank on the name of his program on Moody Radio, pastor out of the south side of Chicago. Um, but he said that, you know, being a Christian doesn't mean you're sinless. But as you walk with Christ, it does mean that you will sin less and less and less. Yeah. And I just, and I can hear his like laugh too. It's like, he has kind of a scratchy laugh that goes with it. But um, it's just be encouraged. This, like you said, the, if we're thinking about it, it's not resting solely on our shoulders. It is this continuous process, this walk, um, and the Holy Spirit working through us. Yep. And, yeah, and this is so, important. You know, we tend yeah. to, when we think about progressive sanctification, we're thinking inward, we're thinking about our lives. But as, as an alongside, the reason we're talking about this yes. in, the con- in the context of being an alongsider is it's not just thinking about this is what God's doing in my life, but as that reminder, this is what God is doing in your life. Yes. And it's coming alongside each other, both submitting every single day to this grand agenda that God has in our lives. And it's, um, you know, it's just being reminded, I think, of uh, really all of this. Yeah. And encouraging. This is why we're friends. This is why we're sharing in relationship, Mm -hmm. is because God's grand agenda in your life is the same thing in mine. We need to be reminded. Let's not get distracted. Yeah, and encouraging one another in that. Because sometimes we don't see it in ourselves. No, nope, we don't. But somebody else sees it and speak up. Absolutely. You never, never know when a good word will help someone that's maybe struggling in their own mind. Amen. I, so. hope, think, I hope this is helpful. And if you have any questions, obviously, shoot them our way. Thanks for listening. God bless.